My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 56. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I was, uh, I'm a little bit discombobulated this morning. Have you ever heard that word? Well, I don't even know if it's a real word, but it definitely suits the moment because I went into the office, and my office manager had a little blanket on her floor, and I said, what's that there for? A little dog bowl with water in it. I said, what have you done? And just from out underneath her desk, here comes this little two-and-a-half-pound Australian shepherd puppy. Oh, boy. Puppy breath. You know what it's like. I picked it up, and all the little blue eyes and little spots all over it. I immediately took a picture and sent it to my wife. Her single-word response with an exclamation mark. No. So I can't even take a picture of a puppy and send it to her. We've got some issues at home with our dogs. We've got two. Well, we had five about uh, two years ago, and now we're down to two. And uh, it's like we're running an an old dog's home right now. Um, It's one of the reasons we had to eliminate all rugs in the house. We are 100% hardwood now. And suffering... A little bit with the aged. We got a seventeen, yeah, seventeen-year-old Chihuahua, and a fourteen-year-old black lab mix. Now the black lab mix can pretty much hold herself, but the Chihuahua, no. She does these. I think she does certain, or he, sorry, Bubba. I think he does things out of spite. Like if he hadn't had his food right around six o'clock, he will go and strategically place urine samples, knowing that I'm going to step in it. I mean, he it's too perfect for it not to be planned. But anyway, he's old, and I'm old. He's a lot older than I am, though, when it comes to dog years. How old is he? Let's see. One human year is seven dog years, right? So seven times 17. Bubba is 119 years old, so I guess he has the right to pee wherever he wants to. So we are off the dog thing for a while. It'll take a while. If I get another dog, I'll tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be a border collie. I had a border collie before. They are just wickedly smart and really good dogs. Uh, She did like to to bite the tires on the UPS truck. Her name was Libby, and uh, I miss Libby. She lived till she was 17. So long livers at the Lawson house. Speaking of long livers, I was watching my nephew, mow his yard uh, yesterday, and he was mowing on a mower that I bought 22 years ago, and uh, it was a zero-turn mower, John Deere, and uh, it's still going strong. I don't know how many hours it has on it, but a bunch. I mow five acres every week, and so in Max mows at least two and a half, and so we are we, we've used this thing to death. Do you know why it's lasted as long as it has? That's right. We keep it serviced. We take care of it. It's a long liver. I like to make things last a long time, that especially when they are expensive. And so one of the things I want to caution you about today, well, really alert you to the things you need to be alert about, the sounds, the experiences, the feelings when you're driving your car. Now, I was thinking about what my mission is in this car show, 
and I wrote these very poignant words. It is to alert, enlighten, educate, and occasionally entertain anyone with a car life, which is just about everyone with a car. So I do talk about your car life and how important it is. To some people, it is a lifestyle. You know, their car expresses a little bit about who they are and what they enjoy. You know, if somebody's driving around a sports car with a top down, then their priorities are right. No, as far as they, they are concerned, it is. I talked to a guy just a little while ago on the phone. I'm trying to run down the history of this 1955 Thunderbird that I have. And it's important when you have a vintage car to know the history of it, especially when you plan on selling. I mean, if you plan on keeping it the rest of the time, maybe it's not important. It would still be important to me, though, because I just like to know the history of the car. So I made a phone call to the gentleman that sold the vehicle at auction. And he said, well, I only had the car for one month, Lenny. I bought it from this other guy. So this guy that I was talking to is in Houston, Texas. He bought it from a guy who is a vintage car dealer in Connecticut? No, New York, New York City. And so I called them, and it took like three phone calls, three messages to finally get somebody. And I finally talked to this nice guy who was a salesperson. He said, well, let me look it up for you. Give me the VIN number. I gave him the VIN number. He said, we bought that car from an individual in Newport, Rhode Island. I said, well, I've been there before. Beautiful place. He said, I'll, well, I asked him, can I, would you mind giving me his name and number? He said, well, we normally don't do that. But you sound like a reasonable person. I said, I am very reasonable. And he said, okay, but please, we have had some problems with this. Do not grill this man if he doesn't want to be, you know, grilled. If he don't want to talk about it, just leave him alone. And also don't talk about the money or the price or anything like that. I said, I won't trust me. I'm just trying to find out the history of the car. And he said, okay. So I called the gentleman answers on the, on the first ring and answered with his name. And I introduced myself. I told him who I am, what I do for a living. And that the reason I was calling is because I have the car that he used to own on my showroom floor at my car dealership. And all that just made him so happy. He owned the car for about six years and really enjoyed it. And uh, But he didn't restore the car. He bought it from the guy who did restore it. And I said, would you mind telling me who that is? And he said, no, not at all. And so he gave me his name and number. And, and, I, and I said, why don't you call him first and see if it's okay if, if I talk to him because he knows the history on the car. And I'll say, he said, I'll be glad to do that. Send me your email and or email me, and then I'll uh, have your email address, and I'll check with the gentleman. You know, if you approach things like that in the right way, then people don't feel threatened. You know, if I'd have just said, hey, I'm a, I'm a car dealer from Greenville, Tennessee, and tell me about this car. You know, if I hadn't handled the phone call right, he probably would be more reluctant to give me the information. But most people who buy and collect old cars or antiques or, you know, you name it, uh, vintage stereo equipment, you know, they'll talk to each other and they'll share ideas and experiences and things like that. It's kind of like a, a community of people that you really don't know their names or anything, but, but you have a commonality there that you can share things. And, you know, I think that's really cool. And so what this does for me is it prepares me to either keep the car and put all those files in my closet here in my office, or if I decide to sell the car, which more than likely I will. 
I'll probably end up selling that car. It's too nice for me to keep. My microphone's about to fall over. I, I just, if I can't feel comfortable driving the car, you know, parking in, in a parking lot, locking the door, then I, I just, I don't want to drive. I don't want to keep it. I want to enjoy it. If it has a few scratches and dents and things on it, that's better, usually, for me. So I am alert to the fact that uh, if I have the history on this car, then then it's more likely that I can get a better price out of it when I sell it. You know, just being aware of things that are going on with your car, um, you have to use your senses. Because if you don't, then and you just ignore these things, then you can run into trouble. It's just like the person who it's really important to put pictures of their grandkids and their children on their dashboard and cover up their gauges and instruments. It's great that you get to, you know, look at your grandkids every morning or every time you get into your car, but it's not great if one of those lights comes on. Lights comes on? If one of your lights come on, you know, behind uh, one of those pictures of, you know, the graduation pictures and stuff. Because if your temperature light comes on, then, then your car is getting ready to overheat or already has. And you need to shut off and get on the side of the road. But, you know, if the picture is blocking that, the next thing you'll know, there'll be steam coming out from underneath your hood and you'll be over on the side of the road and have to get a tow truck. So there are warning signs. Some of them are right in front of your face and you can't see it. You know, others are, are a little bit more nuanced, and we'll talk about them here in just a second. Nuanced warning signs. I don't even know if that's correct grammar. Probably not, but you understand what I'm saying. These are the little subtle things that happen. Um, there have been several situations with my lovely bride where she has continued to drive far beyond um, the, a point where she should have. Like if a you hear a roaring noise. You know, you're going down the road and you hear like that, and it increases with speed. That's a problem. That's not something that should be ignored. But if you're driving all the time listening to podcasts or to the radio with the music turned up loud, you never get in your car without music on or with kids without kids screaming in the back seat, then you never have the opportunity to listen to your car. Occasionally, folks, you just need to drive in silence. Go a couple miles anyway. And listen, see if your car's making any unusual noises. Because you could have a wheel bearing going bad. You could be down to your brake wear sensors where your brakes are getting ready to, well, your brake pad is, is held together with rivets. And when the pad, the surface material wears down, it gets down to those steel rivets. And when you meet the steel rivets, meet the steel rotor that's spinning, guess what happens? It eats grooves into the rotor. Eventually, it will destroy your rotors. They're not cheap. That can triple the cost of a brake job if you have to replace the rotors. If you catch it early enough, you can just turn the rotors. You don't have to replace them. And that's a lot cheaper. So we want to spend less money on our vehicles. That makes life, it makes our car life better, right? Makes our overall life better if we have to spend less money on things. So maintenance is the key. But you got to keep your ears open, your eyes open, and your nose. Another alert would be something that you smell. Now, if you smell something sweet, okay, it's kind of a, you'll know it when you smell it. If you get underneath your hood 
underneath uh, in your engine compartment or even on the outside after you pull into your garage and you smell this sweet smell coming off of wafting. Is it wafting or wafting? Off of your car. You can smell it. Um, you've, got a, you've got antifreeze leaking out of your vehicle. This is not good either because this can lead to some serious issues. Hopefully you have not blown a head gasket already. And there's not much you can do about that. But if you blow the head gasket, it is such an important gasket, it means that there's probably coolant getting into your oil or vice versa. And if you catch that early enough, you can just replace the head gasket. You don't have to replace the whole engine, but it can destroy your engine. Now, if it's leaking, you know, if you're, you're smelling antifreeze, it could be everything from a radiator cap. It could be a uh, upper or lower hose. It could be your water pump. You know, coolant flows all the way through the engine. It could be something underneath the dashboard, as a matter of fact, because that's where your heat comes from on your car is co- hot coolant circulates into a little radiator-like thing underneath your uh, instrument panel or in your dash called the heater core. And so it could be leaking from a number of places. Unfortunately, that's, that's one of the problems with an internal combustion engine. Unless it's an old Volkswagen that's air-cooled, it has to be cooled with water and or, or antifreeze. Now, that leaky antifreeze smells good to a dog as well, and it is poisonous to dogs, so it's important to get that off your garage floor, uh, put a pan underneath it or something, just take it to the shop and get it fixed if you see the color of coolant. It's going to be green, or it could be orange, or it could be red. But if you see that on your garage floor, then and you smell that sweet smell, get it fixed. Get it checked out. Another thing is you may smell, it's kind of hard to describe the, the smell of burnt oil. It doesn't smell sweet like antifreeze. It's a stale kind of a smell. If you smell that every time your car engine gets hot, then you've got an oil leak. And, you know, a lot of older cars, the oil leaks. I mean, I was looking at it's a couple of my cars at, the, at my uh, other garage on the other end of town. And they've been sitting there for two or three days. Well, probably a, a week or longer now that I think about it. But uh, all of them had little puddles, just small little drips underneath. It's really hard to, to get old cars to behave. It's kind of like old dogs. But your modern car should not be leaking oil. And if it is, it, you know, typically it's around. First place we check is around the oil filter. Like if you recently had your oil changed, most leaks are going to be around the oil filter or around the oil drain plug. That's just what happens. You know, sometimes those plugs get stripped out when you go to the quick lube place or wherever. Sometimes they the mechanics will take those out and then they'll t- put them back in and they don't have them threaded right. And if you do that, then you're going to strip it out and it's going to start leaking. There's nothing you can do to get it to stop leaking, short of replacing it. Which, you know, sometimes you can put a little gasket on there that will seal it up. But, you know, they get they get cross-threaded like that, and you just about have to, to get a mechanic to fix that. Um, so what else? Oh, valve cover gaskets, that's probably the next most likely place for the oil to be leaking. And that's um, kind of hard to find on a modern car. They're all covered up. You know, a lot of the modern cars have plastic that has covered up pretty much the entire engine. I think they do that so that you won't mess with it, anything. Um, and it does clean up the engine compartment a little bit. But you pull that plastic off and you'll see the top of the engine. 
And really, the uppermost part of the engine is where the valve train is on the car, and the valve cover covers that section where all the valves are. And those, you know, if the gaskets break down, then they can start leaking, and that can drip all the way down around the engine. Another place would be the uh, the oil pan gasket itself. That Sometimes those fail after a number of years, and you may have to get that replaced. Now, the oil pan is where all the oil is collected when you turn your engine off. Eventually, it'll just all just drain down through the engine. Not all of it, but most of it will drain back into the oil pan. And there's a pump in there that that it's called the oil pump that will basically force the oil to the top of the engine when you start your car. So uh, there's some pressure involved inside that little compartment, a lot of heat, and those gaskets fail. And sometimes when they fail... You won't believe what you have to do to get to some of them. Matter of fact, some vehicles have two oil pans, and the front oil pan, actually, in order to get to that, you have to either pull the engine or pull the transmission. That is an expensive process, usually on diesel engines. But how are you going to know that when you buy a car that's going to cost you know, $1,200 to fix an oil pan gasket? You don't, unless you ask. But those, you know, oil smells, coolant smells, you really can't smell transmission fluid. You're just going to see it. And so you do have to use your eyes. I mean, if you're pulling out of your driveway and you look underneath your car and you see a, a red drip or a green drip or a brown drip, then those aren't supposed to be there. And you need to get it diagnosed to see where it's coming from. Uh, some shops you know, just uh, they don't really want to deal with stuff like this. They're more uh, high speed, kind of like fast food. You know, they want to just go through stuff. And, and if they can fix it quickly, like a brake job or, a, you know, replacing spark plugs or air filters or something like that, they don't mind doing that. But, you know, running down a leak or running down an electrical issue, that's pretty much the purview of a new car dealership, somebody that has the training and the patience and, and the... Uh, determination to make sure that those things get fixed. But but folks, you just got to pay attention to the warning signs, to the language of your car. It's speaking to you, but not when the volume is maxed out on your radio. So go the first couple miles, you know, occasionally just turn it off. And if you hear noises, you know, at highway speeds or, or first taking off, usually you'll hear some Interesting noises when you first start your car, like ticking noises. If you hear a ticking noise, tick, 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 then that's probably because your car's not warmed up and the oil has not been pushed all the way up to the top of the engine. That's typically valve train noise. But if it keeps going, then you may need to have the valves adjusted on your vehicle if they are adjustable, or you could have an issue with your engine that will lead to more serious issues later on. So anyway, just a, a few words of warning from the guru. I'll be back here in just a second. Okay, I am back. I was having to cut some wood this weekend. I had a tree fall just really close to the entrance of my driveway, and it was sticking out there a little bit. So I got my chainsaw, my Husqvarna chainsaw, and uh, it hadn't been run since last, well, since fall. So it's been sitting there with pure gasoline in it. Remember I told you, oh, in your, in your uh, Lawnmowers and chainsaws and stuff like that. Of course, that one has to have a mix, but I always use pure 100% gas in, in those types of things. It's important to do that. Ethanol doesn't work real good in lawnmowers and things like that. But anyway, I pulled it, started it, started just fine, and I was very proud of myself and started cutting. 
And I got th- I got pretty much done, So, but I had that point where I had to drag some stuff off, so I turned the chainsaw off and sat it down. I came back to it in less than probably five minutes. I couldn't get it to start for the life of me. Frustrating. So I tried and tried. I let it cool down and let it sit there for a little bit longer and did some other things, came back to it, and it start. So I called my chainsaw guy. He's my expert, and he's amazing. I said, listen, this is what my saw's doing. He said, you got a bad coil. You know, that's the value of having an expert. I took it down there. He not only uh, replaced that part, I think he called it a coil. I'm not exactly 100% sure, but he, he replaced that part and sharpened my blade, and, and, and he charged me 20 bucks to do it. You know, you just got to have those people. I know his first name. I know his last name. I know his wife's name. I go in there. If I'm buying anything to do with a lawnmower or a chainsaw or anything like that, he's my guy. I hope that you have people like that that you can lean on when you have something. If you don't, then find somebody. You do have a car guy. That's me. You can call me, 423-552-2020, or send me a text. Or you can email me, Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, Lawson, 2020 at gmail.com. And I may not be able to fix your chainsaw, but I can lead you in the right direction on just about anything that has to do with your car life. And I'm more than happy to do it. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.